0: The greatest temptation today is to forget or maybe not forget, maybe just take for granted God's faithfulness when we have to face resistance to our faith, when we have to face temptation. Folks, I want you to take heart this morning and know that today God is not only going to protect you from the fire, he is going to be with you in the middle of it. And we're going to see that today in Scripture. But before we dive into the text this morning, I want to ask you a question that's going to kind of frame up this message. And the question is this, how much effort do you make to remember God's faithfulness to you? How much effort do you make to remember God's faithfulness to you? And and to be honest with you, I have to ask myself the same question. Is how much effort do I put into remembering not my problems or not the fire that I am in or the fire that I'm going through, but the fact just that God is faithful. I believe it's an honest question for all of us today. Each day is a battle to focus on God's faithfulness from even the very beginning of time when Adam and Eve were first tempted in the garden. Take a moment and look at the first temptation. I know that if you've been here a while, you know I go back to this a lot because everything spawns from this. But the first temptation is found in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation and it says this. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman. Here's what the serpent asked. And this is important. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And right now, today, I promise you, when you're in the midst of the fire, when you're in the midst of the trials, and when you're being punished for your sins, that question is there. Do you really think God said this? Do you really think... That God cares. And of course Eve said, of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So she knew what God had instructed her to say and do, right? Adam knew what tree to eat from. And what not to eat from. And then, of course, here comes the serpent. Ha ha hogwash. Don't believe that. He says in verse six or verse four, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. Both good, knowing both good and evil. Hmm. Satan caused Adam and Eve to doubt God's faithfulness. And look at what happened. We are all living in the repercussions from that decision. And so we see here that God gives you and I His best every single time. Can you think of one single time where God has not given you the best? Now I'm going to tell you, there might be times where you would say, well, that was uncomfortable and I didn't enjoy that, but you know after hindsight, that it was his best. And if you haven't got there yet, I promise you, one day you will. But even when times and trials are difficult, we can know that every good gift is from God. Let me show you on the screen what James one seventeen says. James one seventeen says this. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Whatever is good and perfect is coming down to us from God. The things that God has gifted us with. Our spouses, our families, our children, our church, our friends. All of these things that God has gifted us with. They are gifts from Him. And He will never change. He is the same yesterday today and forever. Oh, now the world has changed. I, I spend a lot of time talking with some of you folks that grew up in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s. And I hear a lot of times, oh, if we could just get back to the way it used to be. If we could have the mills running again and everybody would leave their doors open and everybody would just be able to go from house to house, didn't worry about crime, didn't worry about drugs. Yeah, I, I know that would have been a great day. But there were also a lot of things we didn't have during that time. it was a good time. It was a great time. Days are getting darker, but I'm telling you what. God was as faithful during the Mill Hill years as He is during the community we're in now. Has God changed? Hello? No. God has not changed. Our community has. Our churches have. And our believers' hearts have. But God, has not changed. He is faithful. Even when we are not. So over the next few weeks. We are going to be looking at. How God's faithfulness to his servants in the Bible. Can remind us and reinforce us. Within us. That in our lives too. That God is faithful. So let's take just a moment. And go to the book of Daniel chapter 1. In verses 1 through 4. It says, During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. I don't know if some of you already are going, Oh, those are some big names. Oh, this is Old Testament. I don't know about this preacher. Hang on. It's more applicable than you think. The Lord says, verse 2, The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah. And here's the thing. And permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia. And placed them in the treasure house of his God with a little G. Not the true God, but his God. So basically what has happened is God has said, I want you, Nebuchadnezzar, to give my people a weapon they will not forget. And I want you to go in there and take their sacred things. I want you to go in and take their people, take their priests, and all of these different things, the best that they have, and I want you to take them and disperse them and scatter them. Again, it says God permitted this. Folks, the fires that you are in, you are in because God has permitted it. Nothing touches you. That doesn't go through his fingers. And so we see that God is with you in your situation. Regardless of whether you are faithful or not. And even in this situation we see God using a godless person. To impact godly people. So you you might not have your favorite president. You might not have your favorite representative. You might not have your favorite county councilman. But folks, they are not going to change the world. They are just managing people. God is the highest order. And God puts people into position, whether they are Christians or not, but He puts them into position for His church to flourish. And sometimes that means mountaintops, but often it means valleys. And we see here that God will do whatever it is required to get your attention. Let me say that one more time. God will do whatever it takes and whatever it requires to get your attention. Some of you can say amen. Because you've been in that situation. Where God, just like these Nebuchadnezzar and his men, permitted them to invade Judah. God used King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to remind Judah of their need for him. And then your surroundings often want you to forsake your faith. So here these, these folks from Judah have come in, they are God's chosen, and they have come into Babylonia, and now everything that they, they are introduced to forces them to choose between their faith that they've grown up with and the faithlessness of Babylon. And you say, oh, well, that's just a great Bible story. Folks, we are living in Babylon today. Not literally, this is not Babylon. But figuratively, we are living in a godless generation, a godless world, and a godless culture that has still got God's hand on it, but everything that we encounter seeks to take away our commitment to God. For example, if you're running with the wrong crowd, you are not going to make Godly decisions when you're influenced By the wrong people What's the old thing your grandmother used to say You cannot fly with eagles When you're surrounded by turkeys Or if you lay down with dogs You're going to get Grandma's pretty smart Wasn't she Maybe those people that are pursuing Those sins that your bodies crave The bible calls it sins of the flesh Where you want to satisfy your bodily cravings, no matter what they are, at whatever cost. Believers are set free from this, but we must decide to reject it. We see that in Romans 7, as Paul is talking about the struggle between our godly nature and our sinful nature. Maybe idolatry. Well, nobody in here has a golden calf at home, do you? If you do, I want to see it. That would be pretty cool looking. (laughs) But we don't. We don't have golden calves, but every one of us has idols in our life. We have things in our lives that seek to take the throne of our heart where God is to reside. For example, some people, their their golden calf, their idol is money. Some family. Yes, you can put your family over God. I have seen over the years plenty of families that have taken their priority to mean Sundays are family time and their kids get out of church and then when they get old enough to go crazy, they say, what happened? And I don't say that in a, in a vengeful way. I say that in a heart-hurting way. Being in this church and this pew you're in will make you a Christian as much as sitting in your garage will make you a car. It's only the Holy Spirit and his word being proclaimed and his people interacting with one another that, that give the Holy Spirit the momentum and the opportunity to speak to you right now. If you are hearing anything that his scripture is saying, it is not this voice. It is the Holy Spirit. And so by positioning yourself, by putting forth the effort to put on some clothes, put on a little lipstick, not me, but other people, but get yourself all gussied up and get the kids ready. I, look, I, I remember being a kid. I, re, I remember how hard it was for my parents to get me ready. I cannot imagine. It's like you spend all your effort getting the kids ready and you're like, you get in the car. And then you see the preacher in Sunday morning. Hello, preacher. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I've been on the other side of that, not as a parent, but, but as a child, I understand how that is. Like, Mama, you're really nice to the preacher. <laughs> Maybe you need to wake him up in the morning. But family can take our where our, we're so consumed with our family that it drowns out our faith. Maybe our comfort. I don't want to do that. I spent all my years doing that. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm too old for that. I'm too young for that too fat for that. I'm too skinny for that. All these different excuses that we pile up. What nerve do you and I have to tell God what we can and cannot do? That is the ultimate of pride and selfishness. Sometimes fame wins over faith. I think of the prodigal son in Luke 19. All of his friends wanted him to party and and hang out with him until they used everything they had from him. All these things that he, he 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 thought that it was more important to have these things than his relationship with his father. And he ended up in a pig trough, eating pig food, wondering, wondering if he could ever have a life outside of being in a pig stall. The time that passes between the utterance of your prayers and when he answers them, it's called a testing of your faith. Some of you are in the middle of that test. You have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed and nothing has happened. I understand that. I have lived that. You have lived that. And I promise you, if that prayer has not been realized yet, it will be. It's only because God is working on the perfect solution. And it's causing your faith to become stronger. Some people become negative during these testings. Some become fearful or bitter when the temperature of their fire is multiplied ten, seven times, seven or ten times. Let me show you what I mean. Turn to Daniel chapter. We already talked about that. Uh, Remember God's faithfulness in your situation. So now we come to the fact that. Who are you going to identify with this story that we are about to read? When your situation pressures you to reject your faith, I want you to remember God is faithful. Let me show you this little verse that I learned as a youth that uh, I still try to remember to these days. It's uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. And it says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. When it comes to being tempted to not remember that God is faithful, God will give you a way out. It doesn't say that He will remove it. But He does say that He will give you a way to remove yourself. In other words, He's saying, if you love me so much, you're not going to want to be in that position. But as we get back to the story, let's read Daniel chapter 3. Go to Daniel chapter 3 just for a minute. We see here in chapter 1, I mean, excuse me, verse 1 of chapter 3, he says this, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent message to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So these officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Folks, King Nebuchadnezzar had set up a statue for people to worship of himself and represented him and he sent out the email he sent the memo out hey everybody i want y'all to come out see this thing i've created for myself and i want you to bow down and worship it yeah he was pretty vain wasn't he what says in verse 3 so all the officials came and stood before the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up then A herald shouted out. People of all races and nations. And languages. Listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn. The flute. The zither. The lyre. The harp. The pipes. And other musical instruments. In other words. When you hear the band wind up. He says. I want you to bow to the ground. To worship. King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone.'" who refuses to obey, will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Today, that statue of Nebuchadnezzar is alive and well. Oh, it may not be a literal statue for him, but there are statues in our culture that say, bow down and worship me. We see it in the trillions of dollars spent on advertising to make you think That this product will change your life. That this phone will be your Messiah. That this dress will will be the one to impress the boss. that, That your 401k will be intact when you need it. That all of these things that you work for are going to be perfect if you just bow down and worship it. Give me your money. Give me your time. Give me your emphasis. Give me your worry. That's what it cries for you to do. Or political correctness. Public opinion today is outweighing biblical truth time after time after time. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it doesn't matter what an opinion poll says. It doesn't matter what your Facebook says, whether it's true news or fake news. The only truth that we need is found right in here. And if we take time to read God's Word, it will help us filter the junk that comes before our eyes. Also, persecution, it's alive and well these days. In some countries, people are losing their lives every minute for their faith. But today, it's becoming harder and harder to be a Christian in the public form. Don't get me wrong. We have got churches upon churches upon mega churches, church plants. You cannot go one block without seeing a church somewhere. But the problem is we keep it all within these walls. And the world's happy with that. We need to get outside of these walls, but everything in this world is telling believers to leave their convictions in order to belong and be like everyone else. They're saying bow down and worship the world and even they'll at times turn up the heat. So for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they accepted this challenge. Some of the king's advisors were jealous of these Jewish boys Who had won the king's favor. So we see that that decree was made. Some of the king's men said. These guys are not bowing down. And so we pick up the story. And we see that remember God's faithfulness. Regardless of the outcome. Regardless of the outcome. Verses 16 and 18. It says Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Replied, Oh Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I'm about to tell you, I'm about to have a fit. Alright? I'm not Pentecostal, but I'm going to get close when I get to this point. Because it's exciting. Again, 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Woo! If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... Then God, the God whom we serve, is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But whoa, verse 18. Woo! If this doesn't light your wood, your wood's wet. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you. That your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue you have set up. Even if they put them, King Nebuchadnezzar told them to stoke the fire so much that it would be seven times hotter than it normally is. So it was roughly, some scholars say, over 3,000 degrees. It was so hot that when the guards and the men opened the furnace, they melted. Folks, I'm telling you what, there will be times in your life or the heat will be turned up on you. It will be either because you are being tried. It will either be because you are being punished. It will be because God wants to do something in your life. It could be that you are like Job or even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did nothing wrong, but God was going to use their fire to prove something to those who are unbelieving. That when the fire heats up, can you say, even if it doesn't work out like I want it. I am not going to bow down to anything, but God. I'll tell you what: somebody who remembers God is faithful. Will I think back to uh, you know not not too long ago, where I thought I can't get any worse. This fire cannot get any hotter. But even if it doesn't, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to look. But I know that you are faithful. I want you to remember that whatever you're going through or have yet to go through, that God is faithful. We see here that God's faithfulness in the fire also shows that you will find Jesus in the fire with you. Look at verse 19. Don't take my word for it. God's word says it plainly. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That's one ugly face, I'm sure. It says that he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, their turbans, and their robes, and other garments. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach. Mishak and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. And then another word that just lights my fire when I read it in the Bible. Suddenly. It says, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, hey, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied. All of his yes men were just kind of going along with him. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king said, look, he shouted, he said, look, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed and the fourth looks like a god. This was coming from a godless person that when he says this looks like a god in there with him, he used a little G. But we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was Jesus Christ. Folks, I want you to understand that in the fire, you're not alone. If you're one, there's two. If there's two of you, there's three. If there's three of you, there's four. Your entire family with God is faithful. He is with you in the fire. Man's authority, strengths, and restraints mean nothing to God. Their clothes, it says, didn't even smell like smoke. The heat of this world will kill its own and refine the saints. The fire was so hot it killed the guards, throwing them into it. Without the stance of these men, King Nebuchadnezzar would have never seen the fourth man, Jesus. Think about it. Because of Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, their their names were not always that. Their names were changed when they were captured. Their Jewish names were changed to these Babylonian names. That's what culture tries to do. Tries to change your name. Tries to change your identity. And who you identify with. And so we see here that... We must view every life event, every difficult person, and every fiery furnace through our faith and through God's authority. Then we see in verse 30, we see that, let's read that just for a moment. It says, Then king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. You see, Nebuchadnezzar's yes men wanted these guys to die. They were jealous. These Jewish boys had come in and started taking some of the Babylonian credit. And the king was listening to them, but their plan backfired on them, pun intended. And it was the fire of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that caused Nebuchadnezzar to see the one true God for the first time. It was a witness. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had issues after this. I'd like to tell you that he got saved and everything was perfect after that. Happily ever after is not always what happens. But understand this, that the fire that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through gave a testimony and glory to God that Nebuchadnezzar saw and it influenced him and his reign. So the faithfulness in the fire Proved that their belief in God, and it proved their character, and their faithfulness in their God caused Nebuchadnezzar to see the one true God. So when these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had to face the fire, they did not walk by what they saw. They did not walk by the weight of their present situation. They weren't manipulated by culture. They weren't put. In, they weren't put into a focus group. They weren't told what to think or what to say. They were not afraid of losing their jobs. (laughs) They stood on God. And their lives literally hung in the balance. Yet they chose to stand in faith and keep their eyes focused on the invisible and all powerful God. I don't know what you're bowing to today. But I want to remind you that God is faithful and the only way you're going to know that is to take a stand and a chance with him if you want to stay comfortable you'll never know god's true faithfulness it's only those that are being tested and tried and in the fire so how do we find god's faithfulness i want to share this last verse with you second corinthians 5 7 For we live by believing and not by seeing. Some translations say, for we walk by faith and not by sight. But for we live by believing and not by seeing. If you cannot see God working in your fire, you can believe that He is there. Don't take my word for it. Take His word for it. There is always another person with you. In the midst of your fire. Because God is faithful. And if you are not a believer. If you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ. i got news for you. Your fire will do nothing but consume you. To the bitter end. To know God's faithfulness is to accept it. And to accept it is to ask His Son, Jesus Christ, to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. If you've never done that and want to do that, I'll be glad to lead you in the sinner's prayer at our time of invitation. You can come forward. I will pray with you. Maybe you want to join the church. Maybe you just want to pray at the altar yourself. Whatever your decision may be, this time of invitation is for you. Would you please stand?